It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And I don't want to say it's the lowest point in Bears history. There have been plenty of low points. But at the Bears bar, where we, where I, watch the Chicago Bears games, and that's Rip Beer Company, Huntington Beach, California, PCH location. At halftime, they 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 turned the game off. They just they just flat out turned it off. Skip the manager. He walked over and he said, "Hey, there's some fans here." I'm like, "Dude, do what you got to do. Do what you want to do." We are all morose. A lot of our regulars had already filed out. Our boy Sean didn't even show up, and it was Clayton and me and a couple of command. It was a it was a bad scene because like the the bar caters to like we have a bears like the bears own that place but there's also a a, a commander's fan who comes in and a vikings fan who comes in none of us none of us was very happy and thankfully there's no such thing as chargers fans or else it would have been even worse for that poor for that poor viking soul but for us it was really awful the only thing is is taylor swift i think took a lot of the heat off of us so we should thank taylor swift that she's been this story like oh yeah we got embarrassed but like look at taylor swift how awesome that she's there but you know what this week, this is the week that we're going to turn it turn it around, and I am ready to get started. So, Sammy, let's go ahead and start the show. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It is Wednesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. New night, new time. And we will get you ready and sorted right before AEW Dynamite. And, of course, our friends at the Tape Never Lies Network, they kick off at 8.30 Eastern, an hour, 90 minutes uh, from right now. But for the for the time being, we're going to sit here and try to entertain you uh, as well as we can because there's not a lot of entertaining moments going on with the Chicago Bears. A lot of the same issues that we've worried about that we fretted about over the last i don't know ever forever uh continue continue to rear their ugly head by the way it's weird to think about this and a lot of people don't understand and i will bring this up because the dolphins just smoked the denver broncos the bears opponent this week but the bears once beat the washington football team 73 to nothing in the, what is it, 1940, 1941 NFL championship? One of those years. The Bears were the team that invented forward pass. We brought forward passing to the NFL. George Hallis and all that. We're the ones 
who changed the game from being this run heavy thing to a pass happy thing. And we've, we've cursed ourselves for that time, but I, I, and I don't know, I'm still in the corner of Justin Fields. I don't know if the offense is helping him. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of ways we can talk about this, but let's bring on uh, as she joins us every week from foxsports.com. It's the great Carmen Vitale joining us once again. And uh, Carmen, how are you living? First of all, uh, I'm good. It's been, it's been a little hectic, a lot of travel recently, but I'm good. Are you say like you're in a blank room? Is it okay? No, I'm good. I, it's not a hostage situation. I okay. promise. I'm just, I'm, I'm in the process of setting up a new background actually. So Bear with me while I do that, literally, because it's bear. Get it? No, it's a, no, we're talking about the bears. Yeah, bear. <laughs> you don't you don't get to put anything on the wall until the bears win a game, and uh, oh boy, it might be that way the entire <laughs> time. Well, I I don't know. I want to talk. I, I I wanted to. By the way, I wanted to say first of all, because uh, we'll get in all the bear stuff. I found your author page, and I was very proud of myself. It is foxsports.com slash personalities slash Carmen dash Vitali. Kevin Jackson, do a better foxsports.com slash Carmen. Done. I don't want to I I enjoy your work, but I it's it's too much for me. I thankfully I can bookmark this now and, and go back. And then I made the the I made the mistake too because I saw that your the number one story uh on your author page is uh, what we learned from week three. And I'm like, oh, you wrote about CJ Stroud. You're like, oh, I wasn't me. But, that was our AFC South writer, <laughs> which makes more sense. But I was like, you know, I'm so jealous of the Texans because they never have court. They, like, like they've been doomed ever since they, they hung poor David Carr out the dry. Uh, they've been battling with their own quarterback issues over the last number of years. Their Ohio state guy is out there slinging it. Our guy, not so much that, that hurts. That's that's why not our guy. I have to think that, I mean, this is, the, that was a system that is put being put in place for CJ Stroud. This is the guy that was their guy right off the bat as clearly. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the guy they were preparing to have come into their football team. Um, and they've done a really good job. The Texans have of making sure that CJ Stroud feels comfortable and he's being eased in the right way. And he has the things that he and resources that he needs and that the system fits who he is as a passer. That's not something that the Bears have uh, now, been able to none do. Of, none of those words make sense to me. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen that in Chicago, and I think a lot of it too. And I was on the radio in Canada earlier today, and I was talking about this. I go, the last couple of quarterbacks that we've drafted, we've really done a disservice to because when Mitch Trubisky was brought in, you know, it was the last year of John Fox, and we kind of forced them into the situation, and they had uh, the long neck guy, Mike Glennon, and. Glennon should have started the whole year, but it wasn't. And then Fox was forced to play Mitch Trubisky as a last-ditch effort to keep his job. And, right. and regardless, that John Fox should not have been hired, anyways. But whatever, that's that's a story for another day. My, but the point is, is like, okay, well then, when you hired a coach, he inherits a quarterback, and the same thing happened. Like once we hired, we should have learned from that. That once we hired Justin Fields, whether we like. Matt, whether we liked Matt Nagy or not, we should have been like, well, I'm sorry, we got to we got to bring in a new coach or bring in a coach who wants to draft a court. I don't know. It just feels like we short. We don't really we don't really get a coach and a quarterback starting at the same time. Is that part of the issue? I have. Absolutely. It is. And it's a, you can take that further to GMs. The Bears have not had a GM, head coach and quarterback all aligned from the same regime. Um, I, I don't know the last time 
they did quite honestly like i don't think it's been in my lifetime uh and it's one of those things where that matters an incredible amount because as much as guys want to talk about the team and all the other stuff these guys have egos they do and and they want to bring in their guys and they have a, a specific vision for their systems and all this other stuff and that can sometimes not be the same as the personnel that you have. And I think that's what we're seeing with Justin Fields. I brought this up on Chicago Radio, actually, because I really want to know the order of events between when the Bears brass knew that Luke Getzey came with Matty Refluse. Because from my understanding and the way that I've always known these head coaching interviews to go is mm-hmm. the head coaches bring in these giant books with them to these interviews, right, with the yeah. – with the, either the GM and the owner and ownership, or if the GM hasn't been hired with just ownership. And in that book, there's stuff like the first 30 days, the first 60 days, the first 90 days, there's coaching philosophies, there's scheme like specifics. And then there's usually a section in there that says, I'm going to hire these coaches. This will be my staff. And if it included Luke Getze right from the jump. So you're mm-hmm. making a change from an offensive head coach to a defensive head coach. And that defensive head coach tells you, I'm going to bring in a quarter, a former quarterbacks coach and put him in an offensive coordinator role for the first time. Who's never called plays before Yeah, that falls on the organization entirely or whoever it is that hired Matt Eberflus, because that doesn't make sense to me. If you know that you have to develop a quarterback, fine. If you're not going to get an offensive head coach, I get it that you you got burned this last time. So if you want us to make that change, I don't think it's the right call. But if you want to do that, fine. But you better make sure he comes in with someone who is experienced mm-hmm. and who has built systems before and built an offense before and has experienced play calling and actively trying to make it easier on the guy that he's trying to develop. That's not something the Bears had. And so it leaves me to kind of wonder – I don't want to let Justin Fields off the hook entirely. Right. But this is why you hear a ton of people saying it's not all on Justin. And it's not. And I think it goes all the way up to the top or whoever it is that are that the decision makers are uh, that are bringing in people that aren't is exactly what they were billed out to be necessarily. And it, it might it's not even their fault. Even I think Getsy's just in over his head. Could be. Yeah, because a lot of former uh, NFL quarterbacks, Kyle Slaughter, uh, Chase Daniel, who's a former Bear, of course, have echoed what guys like Dan Orlovsky and Kurt Warner and other guys have said. It's like, Justin Fields is very talented, and this all isn't on him. And I know that Justin does deserve, like, a lot. Like, like you, you, you need to make the plays as well. So I don't want to absolve him of everything. But, I mean, it feels like I, – I, I don't want to assess, like, it's 70-30 or anything like that. But whose fault is yeah. it? Who is who's it on? I mean – I it has to be on the decision makers in general. I just think that there are two different kinds of coaches. There are coaches that have their systems and they need their personnel to come in and execute how their system is already. Or there's coaches that take a look at who their personnel is and then tweak and kind of evolve their scheme based on that. From everything we've seen, we were promised a guy, we were promised the latter. I feel like in, in Luke Getze and that's what Maddie Blues kept saying to us these last couple of off seasons, like, we're building this around Justin. We're building this system around Justin. We're going to make sure to take into account his athleticism and all this other stuff. Um, and we're not getting it. We're getting the former. We're getting this is the system that Luke Getze has been in. He comes from that Shanahan tree because he was under Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. That's the only system that he seems to, that he knows. 
And that's the only system he knows how to operate, but that's not the field. That's not the system that fields is going to be successful in. Yeah. So it has, I think it goes back all the way to the beginning of the hiring process. And so that has to be the decision makers because if you, and maybe they were sold on being able to kind of tweak the system a little bit more to Justin Fields and it just hasn't materialized, but we're in the second year now. That's what this off season was for. So I have to feel like most of the blame falls on the coaching staff for failing to adapt to what their quarterback does. But at the same time, they didn't bring Justin Fields in and that's where this disconnect comes in. And that's where your GM and head coach and quarterback not being aligned matters. Um, Yeah. I just, there's a lot of blame to go around there. Like I'm not going to place it all on them, but I do think that that has a majority to do with it. No, it's a, it's a huge issue too. And it's one of those things that, you know, whenever you're going up for a job, and I'm assuming Luke Getze is going, he wants to be an offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach for the Green Bay Packers. You're going to lie a little bit and be like, yeah, I'll make this work. Like I'll do, like when I got hired, when I got rehired, I should say, at NFL, at, with the NFL media group, because I, I had gone from full-time to freelance and I was coming back into full-time. And when I came in, they're like, hey, we need you to be an editor. Hey, that's all you're going to do. You're going to sit on the news desk and edit stories and do that. I'm like, yep, that's, that's the next chapter of my life. That's, that's what I want to do. And then I was hired. And then a week later I was in the boss's office. They're like, I want to write and be on TV. How do I do that? You know what I'm saying? Like you'll lie to get into the door. And once you're in there, you change it. So I don't blame Luke Getze for selling us a bit of goods because everybody does it and it's fine. But the whole thing, it's like you really, somebody really needed to know when you came in, like what, do you, what offense are you run? Like, how does a, like a Madden player would know, like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't run this Packers offense with Justin Fields. Give me Greg Roman or give me somebody right. like Greg Roman. And so right. now I wonder, and I don't want to get into this situation where we start like, you know, like we're already like, I saw Brian today talking about like, well, when Justin's in Atlanta, I'm like, that's, I don't want to get that far down the road, but it's like, it's one of those things. Like I, I, I sit here and I think about Kevin Warren. And I'm like, okay, does it, does he just be like, you know what? All of you are like, all of you get out of my office. I'm starting from scratch. Like now, cause I always felt like Ryan Poles probably safe, but I'm like, I don't know. All, all of you might be in hot water and all three of you might be in someplace new next year. Honestly, I don't see that happening. I think, but I do see the path of least resistance, unfortunately is, is Justin Fields moving on. Yeah. And then bringing it and drafting a quarterback in oh, the yeah. 2024 draft, which they've set themselves up to do. That was yeah. the point of getting the extra first round pick. And so even, I mean, now it's looking like they're going to end up with the top three pick. But yeah. even if that wasn't the case this year, they were insulating against finishing middle of the pack and still being able to get a quarterback. And I think that that's probably the easiest fix right now. Yeah. Um, it's obviously nothing in the, in the immediate uh, that's that's something that's going to have to happen after the season because there's yeah. no point in, in getting rid of Justin now. But I think that's kind of the unfortunate path that I see the Bears taking at least. And I mean, I could be totally wrong, but it just no. seems to me like that's the that's the last ditch then effort is like, okay, we brought in the GM and the, and the head coach together. The, the outlier here, the, the kind of one of these things is not like the other is Justin Fields. And so then if you give them the opportunity to bring in the quarterback that they feel fits Getsy's system or, you know, the, the, whoever the guy ends up being, I don't know if they use Getsy as a scapegoat, which I hope they don't, but yeah. um, 
I feel like if then you have that year um, to figure it out, which just kind of delays this process a little bit longer. And I know that Bears fans' patience is wearing thin, and I don't blame yeah. them because it is. It's one step forward, two steps back every yeah. time. And it's just like you're constantly pining or wanting something different than what's there. And it's like, why can't we just have something that's cohesive? And so far, the Bears haven't had that. And I think the easiest way to get that, though, is that Justin ends up moving on after this season. Uh, yeah, that that seems like the inevitable thing. And I'm, I'm we're lucky that the Fields family is pretty classy. Because otherwise, we'd start getting into the conspiracy theories about like, are they, are they not setting Justin up well enough? And is this their? Because like it is, and it's going to be disappointing because, because we'll not win a lot of games. They will trade Justin Fields because he's still going to be under a rookie contract. He's going to get the because next year he'll get be his fourth year. The team that trades for him, be it like the Giants, so that's Giants or the, not the Jets probably, but Giants, Falcons, one of those teams, they'll be able to possibly go and put him on the uh the fifth year deal like to extend him and everything and give him a look and then the, and then so everybody so we're gonna be they're gonna draft a quarterback and then it's not gonna work out and we're gonna be like oh this coach yeah the coach does kind of like not know what he's doing and then here's gonna be caleb williams in year two going in up oh, new coordinator for caleb and it's like, like that's again it's leading me to the point of like i like i like I like these guys. I personally like Matt Eberflus. I personally like Ryan Poles. But I don't want to be sitting here next year, me and Big Cat going on to all these channels, be like, I think the Bears can win eleven games this year. Like, think about it. Like, and we're gonna look like fools because we're gonna do it because we can't. We we don't know any other way. Again, I go back to Kevin Warren, and I want to say this too. And I'm sorry as I get on my soapbox here for a second. I was talking to Michael Robinson uh, the other day who is uh, one of the NFL Network analysts. You see him on NBC now for their Big Ten game. And he was talking about, like, Kevin Warren has made the Big Ten the most powerful conference in all of college football. They've got a noon – they've got the they've got the noon game on Fox. they got the 3.30 game on CBS. They've got a primetime game on NBC. And they're bringing USC – into the mix. So for anybody who wants to knock the organization and act like the Bears are some sorry run organization, Kevin Warren just started. And this guy who built the Big Ten into a juggernaut could do that with the Bears. I still believe that he might. He might. I know it's not the Bears way, but this might be the new world order where he's thinking about the stadium and he's going to be like, you know what? You're fired. And uh, Lincoln Riley's coming in. And I don't care who the GM is, but it'll be somebody new. And uh, Caleb Williams is going to be calling this. Like, it's gotten so bad. Like, I, I'm now wistfully watching highlights of the Matt Nagy era. How sad is that? How bad is that? Uh, it's bad. I don't want to get, like, I know despite, we're getting the recent, despite the recent track record uh, of the Chicago Bears, I don't necessarily know. Like, if they have their guys, for sure, at, at, at the coaching position, and they know what system they want to run, and either Caleb Williams or Drake May fits that system, or one of these quarterbacks in this draft fits that system. I'm not giving up hope that that couldn't inevitably work out. I do worry about Kevin Warren because of the fact that this is very unorthodox to have a team president that the GM reports to, and mm-hmm. that's over football and business and like the business side and the business operations of the team. Those usually operate as two separate entities. 
And I just feel yeah. like putting all of that on one person's plate, it's one of those things like, I don't know, if you have if you have if you have a, a multiple of these, you have none. You know, it's like I, I don't know how you deal with all of that and function well um, when you're expected to be responsible for so much. Um, I don't I mean, I just haven't seen it done. That's that's the only thing is I just really haven't seen it done to the point where the GM is reporting to a team president that is also trying to run the business operations of a team. So that's my concern. But before I go completely off the deep end, I think that you could follow a more traditional route of developing a quarterback if you just bring in a quarterback that's already going to fit the system. Mm -hmm. And you could see tangible results by the end of year one. And if you do, then, then you're fine. Like then, then you can, you can continue to build, but it does delay the process another year now. And I just hope it wouldn't be a situation that you just described, which is what happened with Matt Nagy. And like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a vicious cycle and I hope that they can break it. Um, but it's just, it's, it's disheartening. I don't, know, I don't have anything else to say. I've been talking about this for so long and I'm I so know. sad for Bears fans. I really am. Oh, I, was, I, I went through it growing up. I mean, I was I was devastated when they fired Lovey Smith too. That's been making the rounds too. Is like they fired Lovey Smith after a ten and six season, and I was just like, mm. "Why? Why? My dog's name is Lovey." Legitimately, that's a thing. Yeah, and people are like, "Oh, but we lost in the this." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. Like, it's true, but it's like, I don't know. I would rather be in a situation where we're ten and six every year, and we're just a competitive team, and then who knows." Uh, take a run for it here and there. It happens for, I, I don't know. It's just, it's disappointing. And I think that the Matt Nagy example should be one that the bears look at and be like, you, this, you ruined, you ruined them. Like you ruined Justin Fields by doing this. Look at what, look at what I, again, going back to CJ Stroud, like look at how perfect it's worked out because CJ Stroud goes down there. The Texans look like a well-run organization after three games. Cause everything lines up the new, the new coach, uh, when D'Amico Ryans was hired, he, they brought in Bobby Slowick, who comes from the Shanahan coaching tree. So this does work. Uh, you can bring in coordinators from that from that thing. And C.J. Stroud looks amazing. And you look at the you look at the Jags, who and we love Doug Peterson, but like that year of damage that you did with Urban Meyer is still there. And it's like mm-hmm. that that's some trauma that still lurks in Trevor Lawrence's like memory, like it's his his core NFL memories still involve Urban Meyer, that if you had just, and I know that Urban Meyer was supposed to be that guy, so it was a coach and a quarterback starting in year one together. It was the wrong coach, but it's just, I don't know. I, I Again, I don't want to get too far in front of it. I don't want to worry about it too much. I want to, I still, and speaking of the Matt Nagy era, this week is also, it's also lining up because it's the same time of year because I remember it being early October because I watched the Bears Buccaneers game, the Ryan, the the six touchdown passes for Mitch Trubisky and Ryan Fitzpatrick gets benched. I watched that from Angel Stadium, <laughs> so I know like this 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 week is like lining up to be that moment. And like Justin goes out there and throws four touchdowns, and then we're like, hey, we're back, and then we got to go on a shorty to uh, the Commanders. Who, uh, by the way, I can't wait to play the Commanders because the Commanders have allowed nineteen sacks this season. And Sammy Howell has been sacked a lot, but that's neither here nor there. I did want to ask you about this because um, I've seen enough 
Let's make Roshan the the start. Can we make Roshan the guy? I love him. I love the way that he's running the football. Yeah, I, I I like the way that he runs football too. He runs it very. He's very violent, and he lowers his shoulder, and he's super physical, and I love that out of a running. Just, I I think we really need to shift the way we think about running backs, uh, mm. just entirely because I it, it, anymore there's not RB one like there just isn't, and yeah. if like the way guys get that kind of workload is if they're also factors in the passing game like a B. John Robinson or something along those lines, or Jameer Gibbs, who hopefully we see a little bit more creativity out of uh, Jeez, tomorrow night. Uh, but I mean, that's how you get that workload. You don't get that workload anymore with just being a run, like a, a running back that stays on the ground and, and only, you know, takes handoffs and everything like that. Like that is now being phased out. I feel like for a more running back by committee thing. So I think what the Bears are doing with Roshan is great. I mean, he's splitting carries with Khalil Herbert, mm. and I don't, I don't hate that approach at all. I mean, I know for fantasy people, yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Um, but I really think that we just need to shift the way that we talk about running backs. Because if I were to ask you who's the best running back in the league right now, who would you say? CMC. Exactly. And why is Christian so good? Because he never he comes off the field. A receiver. <laughs> he never. Because he is also a receiver. That's right. Um, so that, that's where this position is kind of evolving into uh, because it is a passing league still and all that kind of stuff. So I just – I feel like what they're doing with Roshan is great. Um, I don't I don't see the need to make him a three-down back because I don't really see the need for a hot take. I don't really see the need for three-down backs as it is. But see, that I, my mild pushback on that, number one, would be – Again, they should be adopting more of an old Greg Roman Baltimore Ravens approach. And I know the Ravens did cycle in a lot of running backs, but I think a lot of that yeah. was necessitated because of the injuries. That if J.K. Dobbins had been healthy over the last couple of years, like they would have given you a steady force of of uh of J.K. Dobbins with Justice Hill and Gus Edwards being like periphery players or something like that. So that I would love but to see still, the you can still count the quarterback in those situations though as a runner. Yeah. So like that's you're yeah. still kind of cycling running backs, even though one of them is a quarterback. Um, I did see, I will say, in the beginning of the Chiefs game, yeah, I saw oh, the Bears I... had multiple two back sets, uh, like they, the multiple plays with two back sets out there. And that's something that I talked about the week before in an article I had written where I was like, Why are we not doing more of that? Why are you not making the defense contend with three potential runners in Justin and these two backs? Because defenses aren't built. To, like who would they key in on? They yeah. are, they're not built to defend that. And so, and especially if some, if a couple of those backs are guys that are also receiving threats, all the more better. And like, I just, I feel like there's so much opportunity to mesh Justin back into the run scheme that we're just not seeing because they're trying to make him this rhythm passer that he just isn't. Um, I just, I don't know. I, 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 there's like, I feel like there's so many cool things you could do with Justin, but now I just think he's also like, doesn't know which way is up. He's like drowning and doesn't know which way the surface of the water is. And I I don't know how to get him back on track, but I just, it's, it's just, again, it's disheartening. It's like that scene in the North shore where Rick Kane gets knocked off the board and he goes down and hits the coral reef and he's getting tossed in the undertow and it's terrible. And again, going back to Roshan Johnson, a lot of that is, as you 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 alluded to this, it is selfishly because I care about my fantasy <laughs> football team. 
And by the way, Underdog Fantasy is the easiest way to play fantasy football. Just go to underdogfantasy.com or better yet, download the app, the Underdog Fantasy app. And when you sign up using the promo code SICK, Underdog Fantasy will will match your initial deposit up to $100, which is great. And it's also, if you've not done this yet, then you're in luck because we're going to be giving out details of we're going to start doing a guillotine league. This is for real. We're going to do a best ball league because I've already got league. Like I'm already going to be eliminated in a guillotine league and underdog does this better than anybody. If you don't know what a guillotine league is, go to underdogfantasy.com right now, sign up, use the promo code sick. And then over the next couple of days, we're going to give you information, how we can join together to do a guillotine league. We're also going to do a best ball draft. So we're going to get a couple drafts going and keep us entertained uh, as as the Bears season starts to suck. We're going to play more fantasy football. Underdog fantasy is the place to be to do that. I do want to say, though, uh, I'm trying to remain positive as much as possible. Um, tackle leaders in the NFL. I just noticed this uh, going through the NFL.com research packet. We have we're looking at guys who lead the league in tackles, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing because the defense is on the field so much. TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edwards, uh, two of the guys in the top 10 or with 10 or 12. I know TJ Edwards is high. Edmonds is either 10 or 12, somewhere in there. They're still like, those guys are, are nice, but why is the defense still struggling? What's the, what's the problem there? Yeah. I think that's a deceiving stat because the defense is on the field so much. They just have a much larger sample size. I would be interested to know what their snap count is versus the other guys <laughs> in that percentage uh, on that yeah. list. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like give me percentage wise, like tackles and then we can talk, but unfortunately, um, the offense hasn't been able to stay on the field. The defense just has way more plays. Um, and there's been a ton more offense against the Bears. Um, yeah. So that's – I just – that's one thing that I can't get past either. I feel like a lot of this Justin Fields talk is kind of taking away from the fact that we haven't seen any improvement out of the defense either. And, like, that's no. Matt Eberflus's bread and butter. He's mm-hmm. a defensive head coach. So, like, I get that you're trying to bring along a quarterback, but – that's that's a that's secondary to your particular focus or should be at least like your focus should still be the defense if you are a defensive head coach and -hmm. then ideally you hire someone on offense that can kind of act as a head coach on that side of the ball but like why haven't we seen any improvement defensively I mean guys are missing blocks and assignments and it's there's so much miscommunication out there and so many miscues and guys don't know where they're going and they're running into each other. And I'm like, there's absolutely no pass rush to speak of. And I talked a lot about, and I don't, I don't disagree necessarily with building a pass rush from the inside out, but if your system, the Tampa two system relies that heavily on a three tech, you better have that dude. You better have that dude. And they don't have that dude that can push the pocket from the interior. So it doesn't matter if you have unique Ngakwe on the outside, he's getting double teamed because nobody's worried about the guys on the interior. And I just, I I just saw a stat. I think that it was, it said Zach Pickens has like a 0% pass rush win weight, pass rush win rate. That's so hard to say. Um, And those guys have to start winning on the interior and pushing the pocket from the interior. Uh, Cause you don't have the guys on the edge that are absolute dogs either. So I, and that is putting so much stress on the secondary and now the secondary has a bunch of injuries to it. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just, it's all breaking down. And I mean, it's not surprising that 
I mean, the linebackers are holding this team up, which we knew. We knew that yeah. was the strength of this of this defense going into this season. But man, we're not talking enough about how like Eberflus's unit is not together, and fire or your defensive coordinator resigning uh, doesn't help matters either. So it's just it's a whole mess. He he said during his press conference on Wednesday that he's going to be calling the plays defensively for here for the rest of the season. Right? Uh, does he does he not a blitz? Does that has he ever dialed up a blitz just, just once? Did you did you hear him too today talk about how he was gonna ha- he was gonna keep bringing four? And like I don't want people to equate the blitz with pressure. Like you can get yeah. pressure with four guys, sure. But at the same time. If we were so doing far, it, you don't have the guys to get pressure with four. So like, yeah, you should be blitzing a lot more, not because that just automatically means pressure, but because you don't have those dudes up front. So yeah. also, it why is, are you telegraphing that you're know. only rushing? Way four? to go. Thanks, Matt. Like you don't talk about anything, but you're out there being right, like, oh, right, right, right. you're going to out yourself right. like that. This is what we're doing. I'm trying to think like there's been organizations and I know that I, way too often I go to the nineties c- Cowboys because it's part of my core memories as a little kid of like how they were able to create, they had like Charles Haley and Tony Casillas and Russell, and like they had these guys that could get pressure on a quarterback without having to bring the house. The bears don't do that. So at some point you got to go out there and you got to throw something at them. I saw Brian Baldinger, my colleague at NFL network. He was on CHGO today talking about like, Hey, when, when, when Patrick Mahomes goes to the, this is such a great analogy. When Patrick Mahomes goes to the, goes to the carnival, like he's going to knock down all the milk cartons, unless you, you know, put your hand in front of his face or something like try something. We're getting burned anyways. Like right. let, let Sky Moore score on a set. I'd rather just have Sky Moore score on a 70 yard touchdown as opposed to like three. Although I guess that's what kept us from getting humiliated by the, like the Denver Broncos. Um, so maybe. That's the one thing. That's the good thing about the Matt Eberflus's defense is like we only prevented, we only allowed forty, not seventy, and that should well, be something. The well, the, the funny part in using Mahomes as an example here, though, is that Mahomes is actually incredible against the blitz. Like in that uh, Bucks Super Bowl against him, I don't think Todd blitz like Todd blitzed at his lowest rate he had all season because he knew yeah. that he was going to have to. He was going to need the guys in coverage with Mahomes. You need the guys in coverage because he can extend plays for so long and he's so on the same page with his receivers. I mean, you saw all the videos of like Travis Kelsey's just like running wherever he wants to and like Mahomes can still pick him up, which yeah. is wild. But like you need guys in coverage for that. So you can't afford to bring the house. Um, I don't think that's the case, though, against against the Broncos. Um, and that's not the case necessarily against a lot of quarterbacks. It's just that it was just a funny example to use Patrick Mahomes, who happens to be one of the I best know. Um, I just, I don't, you have to get interior pressure though. That's, that's the key here. And I think that's why they're failing so miserably is because this system requires you to get interior pressure and you're just not, because if you get interior pressure, you can get away with rushing for, yeah. um, that's not happening. And so I'm like, you need to start getting creative, start doing stuff like, not that Minnesota is any sort of example yet, but I mean, this is what Brian Flores does with his defenses. Um, yeah. Like dating back to Miami is he's it, at his entire, his entire time at Miami, he took them from bottom in the league in sacks to top five without ever having a double digit pass rusher. 
And mm -hmm. he did that because he didn't have that dude. And he knew he didn't have that dude. So there were like 13, 14 different guys that were registering sacks every single year because he's bringing pressure from all over the place. He's sending in safeties. He's, he's doing corner nickel blitzes. Like he's confusing the stuff out of yeah. an offensive line. Oh, Sammy. Because sorry, Sammy. Um, because he knows he doesn't have the guys to beat these guys outright. So yeah. like, why can't we get more creative? Or even like more stunts or something. Just show me something that lets me know that you're self-aware enough to know that you don't have the dudes right now. So get creative. Yeah. I like I want I like, and it's going to be hard to confuse Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's seen everything. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I just I I the that whole presser. I mean, Matty Bruce doesn't really say anything in his pressers at all, but that was telling somehow. That was that was wild. That was the one part where you're like, what is going on? And it's right. almost. And that's where I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I struggle to have answers uh, to a lot of these things. I do have an answer though. When somebody is like, where should I watch the games in Chicago? Because I will tell you game room, Chicago located at the historic Chicago athletic association hotel, right across from millennium park features billiards, shuffleboard, ski ball, Papa shot, and so much more. And it has plenty of space to watch your favorite football game. And with a menu featuring Michelin starred chef, Mari Katsumura snack foods, beer towers, a weekend Bloody Mary bar, and shareable signature cocktails. Game Room Chicago is the place to be on game day on Sundays. If you are not going to be in the stadium on Sunday, make it Game Room Chicago right there. And if things start going sideways again, then they'll, they'll put on another game for you. But it's classy. It's a classy joint. It's not a, like, no disrespect. Listen, I hang out at Buffalo Wild Wings. I go out there. We go to Rip Beer Company. I'm hanging out in shorts and a t-shirt, and uh, you know. But sometimes you want to get you want to get dusted up. You're like, let's 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 dress like George Hallis dressed back in the day and go watch a football game because you're inspired uh, to be there. Will the Bears be inspired against the Denver Broncos? What happens? What is the mindset? Because it feels like if you lose this game, like dude, you're losing to the team that just gave up seventy, but that team also had Mike McDaniel. We've got Luke Getzey. But it feels like this is this is it. This is this has got to be like not like the season's sort of going to be the way that it's going to be, but this one seems like one you will not be able to recover from if it does not go our way. I mean, I feel like everybody's kind of dejected already in Chicago. Like I don't, I don't know that anyone has. <laughs> I don't think anybody has the audacity to have any sort of expectations for this game. What? <laughs> like I, I just, do. I don't, I like. After I get it's the Chiefs, but like the Chiefs aren't the juggernaut, uh, at least yet. Like I fully expect them to like turn back into the juggernaut that they were uh, towards the end of last season. But like they were still figuring some stuff out. And I, you know, like the, I, I just, I feel like everyone is already at that point where they're like, all right, the season's basically lost. And yeah. uh, there's still a lot of football left. And I get mm -hmm. that. Um, but I don't know that at least that's the feeling I get from around Chicago is just like, everyone's just kind of dejected at this point. And I think that the team is kind of dejected. I mean, we heard Matt Eberflus talking about having that fight, having the, you know, the attention to detail, but then having that fight and determination, um, going forward. And I think this game in particular is kind of a testament of wills between these two teams, because I think the Broncos have the same mindset where they need this win too. They're both desperate. Yeah. But I don't think as a bear, 
recommend you having any sort of expectations for this game like and feel good about myself for like doing that like i'm not i'm not going to set you up like that i just won't fair enough it's also one of those things too because earlier today milwaukee got dame and now the bucks are having a basketball team again and now i saw too and i I love aaron nagler everybody knows this but he's like i might be back in he's like i might be back in on the bucks and i'm like you know what that's a typical that's a typical Wisconsin sports fan of like, now you're back in because your team's good. Like this is no, this is, this just shows the Packers fans, front runners. Oh, they wouldn't be there. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be building these additions to Lambeau field if they were like the bears over the last 30 years. Oh, but you have quarterback hall of famers. You get a hall of famer on your basketball team. And now you'll watch United center constantly sold out. People are all into the bulls. They go to our baseball games, all this stuff. So I don't know. I'm trying to find anything to help inspire the Chicago fans, but I don't know. I don't it's think good. they need it though. I think for that reason, they're like, they don't need it. Like I, it's sad to say, but like Bears fans will show up anyway. And I, I, I commend them for that. I love that about like growing up in Chicago and having this, like, especially because after uh, I grew up and like, I went to college and then after college, I went to all these markets that aren't traditional, like really big sports markets. So like I was in mm. Phoenix, I was in Tampa. They have their pockets and stuff, but it's nothing like I took so much pride coming from Chicago yeah. and being like, you know, like it doesn't matter how good the teams are. These, these fans are going to show up for them regardless totally. because they're not Fairweather fans. And there's an extreme amount of pride to take in that. And I wish that the teams were better and rewarded Chicago fans a little more often than they do. Um, but I mean, Chicago fans have in spurts had it, had it pretty good. I mean, you got the nineties bulls, you got the 2010s for the Blackhawks, yeah. you got the Cubs winning in 2016. Um, the I White think Sox in 2005. Point, yeah. The White Sox in 2005. I didn't mean to skip over them. Um, I think you're now getting to the point where like, yeah, it's been since what, 2016 that a team has won a championship. So it's like, all right, now you're kind of getting overdue. Um, now, now we need something to happen. I commend, and I've said this before on this podcast. It's the reason that so many people pick on Bears fans because they're going to engage because they are so passionate about their teams, even when they're bad, that people know that they can get engagement from the Chicago market by talking about them so it makes bears an easy target but it's a weird backwards compliment to how passionate bears fans are no it's weird and there's other there's there's a couple other fan bases that are similar to that cleveland washington kind of going that way but there's others that you're like they'll just go away i know that lions fans are now feeling themselves and coming out of the woodwork and there was a guy i know um do you gotta by the way do we have to cut you off in a couple minutes too no okay I uh, just want to make sure. Don't want to leave you. Don't want to leave. There was there was a guy who came. Uh, he was like, "Hey, stop, stop telling to start running backs against the Lions. You don't know what you're talking about." And I go, "Can't stop, won't stop." And he's like, oh, "I'd love to play in a fantasy league with you." And I'm like, "Hey, hey, pal. Uh, Kenneth Walker had twenty, like twenty some odd points against your team two weeks ago. Like, what is what is wrong with you? Like, he, they just gave up a huge game to Kenneth Walker. You did a nice job against Bijan Robinson." Congratulations. That's more Arthur Smith than anything else. And if Aaron Jones plays on Thursday night, he's going to score a pair of touchdowns. So save it. You And you're saying he will play. You're not saying he's going to score. I'm saying he's scoring the touchdowns. You're saying that he's playing. You know, we haven't done that. We haven't taken any questions. I'm sorry, fans out there. We had a lot to get over. And we didn't even talk about And we didn't even waste your time talking about Taylor Swift. We're probably not going to do it. 
unless somebody has a question about it. But let's, Sammy, what do we I got? Don't, I don't have much to contribute to that conversation. Yeah. Uh, do you think that Tyson Badgett will get a start this year? I, you know what? I keep waiting for this to be the, it, it feels like a, a, a card. The bears coaches have up their sleeves in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the kind of the way of like, if there is a matchup where they knew that Tyson could probably do pretty well in like, uh, I don't know, like, like the, like the Titans, I'm not saying the Titans, but like the Titans have struggled against the pass this year. And you're like, okay, let's throw him in here. And if he goes out and does well, like if you really want to like, cause you know, the coaches heard what Justin Fields said the other day or last week, they're like, Oh, we're going to okay. You want to like, it's like when they killed Joey Tribbiani off on uh, days of our lives, the writers are like, Oh, you think you write your own lines? Like I could maybe see that, but I don't know. I think we're wish casting now. If we think that a, a rookie who looked good in preseason is going to be the savior, uh, what is? Is there been any indication that Tyson would get an opportunity soon? No, I think that has to come from the fact that obviously things aren't working with Justin, and we t- he took a really bad shot in the Kansas City game and probably shouldn't have came back in. Yeah, um, but he did, and I feel like you get further into the season, you know, it's a totally lost season. And you probably know by now that you're getting moving on from Justin Fields. If that becomes a reality and he starts kind of getting hit or is is being put in harm's way, I could see that being the case. Um, I mean, it happened last year, even with Justin Fields where he just got banged up and you had to have, yeah, you had to have Nathan Peterman come in. So I, could see something like that happen, but not until then. Like, I don't see that happening anytime soon, but I think this is also born out of the fact that we know that Tyson Pageant seems to be quarterback too. Like he's the backup. Uh, It's not Nate Peterman anymore. So um, yeah, I don't, but I don't think that you're putting Tyson Pageant in there thinking that he gives you a better chance. um, The fans, the fans think so, but the fans are desperate. And yeah, I, I get the, I get the desperation, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. It is one of those things that um, it's like when you're when you're not hitting well with your driver, and you're like, "Well, let me try another driver," and you're like, "No, nah, bro, it's your swing." Like, you know, it's no driver is going to help you. Like your your swing is your swing, and I think for a lot of for a lot of the things with the Bears, like the coaching staff is the coaching staff. Which again, it goes back to the whole thing of like if they do have to draft a quarterback, I want to be in the interview room with Kevin Warren and I want to put both those guys on the stand, so to speak, be like, why do you get to come back? Like we get it. You're going to have to send Justin to Atlanta. Why are you coming back? Why are we trusting you with Caleb Williams or maybe you bring in a new offensive coordinator though under Eber. I just don't see them. I don't see them getting rid of Matt. um, So, so quickly, especially because like that means you still have to pay him and I don't, I don't see this organization oh. as that's a new. I mean, everybody does it, but like, I don't see them wanting to pay off a coach. That's not coaching for them. It's a new world. Now we're going to be building a stadium in Arlington Heights. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of newness and the whole thing. And, and like going back to the, the comment that you were talking about with Kevin Warren is that, you know, a lot of times that person, like the ownership's trying not to be involved. I think they're trying to, you know, they get unfairly criticized like way too much. Um, cause I do not believe that this is a situation like I, I'm an angels fan. I know what bad, bad ownership looks like. So I don't think that the McCaskies fall into that window at all. Like 
that is a that is a family that wants to win. That is a family that helped found the NFL, that helped the NFL survive. There's no way. And they're just trying, they're trying to do what they can. Like, we'll give it to people who are smart, like in these areas to get us to this new spot. So I think that there's a lot, it'll be interesting because it would be, it would be out of character for them to be paying off a coach this early into his tenure, but you never know. Like it it is a a new world for the Chicago bears. Uh, Sammy, let's take another question though. Uh, What is the most positive thing you've taken from the first three games? Mine is that Gervon Dexter has been slowly showing signs of improvement. Yeah, we're 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 drilling deep a little bit, but uh, yeah, there's been like there's been some some promise from some of these rookies. I still kind of believe in a lot of these young guys. Uh, Dexter being the probably the better of the defensive linemen. How about you, Carmen? Yeah, I mean, I think that you can see some like they absolutely did the right thing in, in uh, drafting on traits with Javon Dexter because Javon Dexter was not a guy that was in a one gap system in college. He was there to occupy two gaps. He was there to eat up space. He wasn't there to penetrate the pocket at all. Um, but Ryan Poles saw something in him and he he came in and he talked about how that's what I want to do. I want to be one of those guys that's going after the quarterback and I want to be able to be proactive in, uh, in, in the pass rush. So I think that that's a good sign because you can clearly evaluate it's you've shown that you can evaluate um, defensive linemen. I just think that you also probably needed to pair him with a more experienced guy. If you're three tech is that important and crucial to this system, which we know it is. Um, other than that, I mean, you're getting a lot of, you're getting an impact from Tyreek Stevenson. Uh, he's taking his lumps too, but I mean, you got a starting corner out of yeah. uh, out of the draft this year so that's there's something to be said about that and then especially having like Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon playing the roles that they do I know Kyler's hurt but um playing the roles that they do on the defense I mean those are young guys also so you're getting some play out of the guys that you drafted and I appreciate that but I mean it's it's not working still like it should and I don't know what what's the best Maybe Roshan uh, Johnson is Roshan Johnson also a bright spot. There it is. Yeah, kind of find bright spots here. It's hard. It's hard. Tyler Tyler Scott's Tyler Scott's going to take one to the house this week. Like it's going to start to show off a little bit. Do you think though? Because I've been saying this on NFL Fantasy or anytime I get to go on the air with the NFL Network, and because I know the Bears get lumped into like, oh, this is the team that could have had Jalen Carter. I am also quick to point out that Seattle and Detroit also passed on. Jalen Carter uh, at this point I I still contend that it was probably the right move I think Jalen Carter oh that's what I was I was doing the U I was doing a show in the UK uh, for the event for channel five in the UK for sky is it sky or whatever it is because uh, the Monday night games they can't show our commercials so you got to go on for like 30 seconds at a moment's notice like up oh, they're going to commercial get out there and I'm like eating a burrito bowl I'm like oh okay uh, yeah like hey look at look at Jalen Carter there I still contended that I made this point on the show on Monday night, Tuesday morning over the, over overseas, Jalen Carter went to the right situation and he's in the perfect opportunity to go out there and show who he can be. I don't know. Like with the way things are going with the bears right now, I don't know if he would, he might like, who knows? Maybe he would be the guy that made a huge change and like made a huge difference on defense. And it's not as embarrassing, but I'm like, if, if we were still Owen three and we had Jalen Carter, I don't, I don't, I don't know that that would have worked out for the best. I think that it worked out well for everybody involved, and I just wish him well there in Philadelphia. Yeah, I said that 
from the from the jump was you know he needed to go to the exact right situation for that team to get the most out of him I think that given his start to the season if you're the Lions if you're the Seahawks maybe you have a little bit of regret there um but yeah given the mess that the Bears have been I mean it's because it's been such a thorough mess like a comprehensive mess like on and off the field to start this season that's not a situation that I would have wanted to see Jalen Carter go to and I don't think it's some it's somewhere where he would have thrived um I think that the expectations put on him had he come to Chicago would have not aligned with who he is as a person and as a player and all of those things, like I don't know that he would have made the difference that he made in Chicago. He would have made the difference in Chicago that he's made in Philadelphia. I think that that was the perfect situation for him. Um, But I don't think the bears should have any regret for not taking him. I do, however, concede that maybe the lions are probably thinking twice about that. Yeah. They're getting they're getting a lot out of their draft class though right now too. So I don't I don't know that they're really regretting anything either. Um You know who's not? Yeah, my my fantasy team's not because Jameer Gibbs is not the player that he was promised to be. Maybe we still need to give him time. I'm still a verdict is still out. I'm not I'm not rushing to do oh, oh absolutely. I think, it's I think tomorrow well, night, like that could be very illuminating. Yeah, fantasy. There's never could, a place to bring it up. <laughs> It's, it's Lambeau Field on Thursday night. <laughs> Fantasy kooks are the worst because they'll be the ones that like, we did it. We did like months of research on this and we had our reasons. We showed our work of why we think Jameer Gibbs is going to make an impact. And I'm sorry that it didn't happen in the first three weeks of the season. But ultimately, by the time we get to week 12, and that's the thing, people are like, I can't wait to week 12. I'm like, well, you know what? Draft a better team next time. I don't know what to tell you. Draft more balance, but you had to go out and you had to bring them in and, uh, I have Jameer Gibbs on a couple of teams of mine that are like, I know nobody cares about my teams, but what I'm saying is the teams are good. And that by the time Gibbs hits, Oh, it's going to coincide with the playoffs. It's going to be fine. So, but I don't know who is the linebacker they drafted. Has he been any good? He's been incredible. He's incredible. He's, I mean, he doesn't like, it's, it's hard to quantify like that kind of play because he's so athletic and and goes sideline to sideline. He also hits really well. Like his tackles are violent, uh, but he's so smart and you can see how smart and cerebral he is as a player. I had Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, tell me that, you know, he they see him as a guy that can be a true Mike linebacker in this league for the next 10 to 12 years. Yeah. Um, so they they're over the moon with their draft class. Obviously, Brian Branch has been making a lot of noise. Sam Laporta. Oh, my God. That guy. Uh, yeah, that's that's embarrassing. And then they're all going to be wasted on the Lions. Like all those guys are going to want to retire in five years because they play for the lions. Like I'm just going based on their history. It happened twice. Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders and Bobby Ross. You blew them out too early. Now, Bobby Ross, wait, that was Bobby Ross post chargers. Yeah. That probably did happen. Hey, Sammy, how about another question though? We're, um, we're not dangerously off course, but, uh, Carmi, have you been to the locker room lately? I'm really curious about what the vibe is in there. Yeah. What is like, I know that we get to see like in Justin Fields was that talk about a, a hostage situation. Justin Fields up there in front of the mic. Uh, we hear from players here, there Tyler comes on the show and he seems like he's in good spirits, but he's a rookie. Uh, have you been in the locker room? What is, what is the vibe like with the team? Yeah, I haven't been uh, in the bears locker room. Cause I've been traveling all over the NFC North. So I haven't been in the bears locker room since like week one. 
Um, and that was just a very dejecting loss. And I was in the Packers locker room for most of it um, after the game. Because I would have been too. Both, yeah. Those are both my team. Well, they're both my teams. And like, usually when that happens, I go to the winning team. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I darted into the Bears locker room also. And it was just, it was very, it was a, it was a, it was not a fun scene. I don't like going into losing locker rooms Ooh, because yeah. it's really hard. Those guys, like I was just in the Vikings locker room uh, after they lost the Chargers in the fashion that they did. Um, but I do think that there's something to be said about like playing football is one aspect of who these men are. So mm-hmm. it sucks. And it's, it's not to say that they don't give their all and, and they're not all into it. Of course they are. But like they have lives, they have, they are whole and complete 360 degree people. So it's not like people are like hanging their heads and moping around in these situations. Like it's, you go about your business as much as you can. Is it as fun as it is when you're winning? No. Um, But it's also not like people aren't walking around. Like it's like the apocalypse or like the end of the world. Like it's, they're still humans with lives. And so they go about their business like they should, but um, from everybody I've talked to though, that that has gone into the locker room um, in recent weeks, it's there's what does happen is like, during the media time, everyone kind of clears out. Like no one really wants to talk to the media. So they're like yeah. not in the locker room. So the locker room has been more empty than usual mm-hmm. uh, during the week for open locker rooms. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, that's the, that's really the only difference. Um, I wouldn't yeah. shower. I would, uh, I would probably bounce. I'd be like, yeah, I'm out of here. I don't want to talk to anybody until I absolutely have to. And because it's, and, it, and it's the same thing too. Like, when you go into a, a locker room after a team loss, it's quiet. It's not like Moneyball or anything like that. There's nobody throwing Gatorade bottles across the room. It's not like the program. Not usually. Jimmy. I have I have seen guys like, def- throwing stuff, but after a bad loss, but it, not like it doesn't happen it, very often. It's an extenuating circumstance. I will tell you, I, I covered the LA Avengers uh, the year that Al Lucas passed away uh, on the field, and when they lost the playoffs, that was the worst locker room to ever be in and nobody wanted to talk and none of the reporters knew what to ask these guys to the point of like i looked i was a young person back then and there was this guy for the la times named chris foster who is a veteran journalist like go ask something like i'm a kid like i don't want to go ask these these grown men but for the most part though but i I, it's tough and you got to go in there and usually i it's i have more experience with it in baseball and Baseball, it's a little bit easier because like there's 150 there's so many in, the, games, yeah. in the minor leagues, 162 in the major league level. They're like that, like they're bummed. And like, even then they're like, it's still a little like you guys, like you're fine. Um, but yeah, so I'm curious. And it go, and of course, like Tyler, you know, is trying to remain as upbeat as possible. So when we talk to him and it's like, yeah, he's a rookie, like, of course. So he's not really, we can't really again, judge for him, but I want to know. I want to know from some of these. I want to. I want to talk to Cody Whitehair. Like, what do you see, man? Um, maybe one of these days we'll track him down if he'll come on. But whatever. Uh, do we have another one, Sammy? Real quick before we uh, set up shop. I gotta. Oh my gosh, I gotta get out of here. Now I'm gonna be the one. Uh, do we just get rid of Justin Fields if uh, we end up with Caleb? Can't we keep one? Oh no 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 no. Uh, Mario, there is no way. Um, there was no way. No, absolutely no. Cause Justin Fields is a commodity. Like somebody will want Justin Fields. And again, I keep mentioning the giants and the, the Falcons as two teams. I'm probably not thinking of one or two that could also be in the mix as well. Or you know what? Like if you're, 
if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're like, well, that, I might need a backup or the, or Las Vegas, Las Vegas is another team. Uh, please don't, don't go to Vegas though. No. Just go to it. Just go to Atlanta. I, I just had this premonition of like, uh, like Otani could go to the Braves and fields could go to the, go to the Falcons and be like, you know, I'm just a sick podcast, Atlanta. <laughs> Sick podcast Atlanta with Adam Rank as we're talking about. I would would I have to like the Hawks then? I don't know. Are the Thrashers still the hockey team? I don't know. I would just uh, do whatever. But um, no. Yeah, I, think, we I can... mean, think about it from Justin's perspective too. Like, you're not gonna want to yeah. sit and play for the people that benched you. Like, yeah. and also like having that's a, a really good example of if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Hundred percent. That's just that's. I watched it happen in Tampa with Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, it didn't work out well for anybody uh, yeah. having, having the other guy breathing down your neck. So like, you knew you couldn't make a mistake. You didn't have the full trust of the staff. You didn't have the full trust and buy-in of the players. It's a whole mess. Yeah. Um, but I mean, from just a basic level, like Justin is not going to want to sit and be benched in an organization that he was supposed to lead. Like there's yeah. just, there's no way. And also Caleb Williams and Justin Fields are two different quarterbacks. It's not even like the same one system. that whatever system would work for Caleb Williams or Drake may, I think Drake may would probably be a better fit for this current system. Um, oh God. It's not going to work for Justin. So that's, Oh my God. We're going to, we're going to pass on Caleb Williams for Drake may son of a gun. I'm out. I'm out forever. If that happens, that'll be it. That'll be it. That'll be the end of me. I won't be able to, that'll be another Mitch Trubisky situation. I won't have it. I won't stand for it. Nope. Not happening. Well, uh, if they bring it, maybe they'll bring in a new offensive coordinator, and then they can take Caleb Williams. Like I just, I, like I get, I get what you're saying because Caleb Williams is, for all intents and purposes, we think this generational prospect. But then again, he's still in college, so who knows? Yeah, we got to sell him. That's like a thing. See, that's another thing why I think it's good to have Kevin Warren is be like, our organization is fine. Um, we're going to be cool. Like you don't have to go back into the NFL draft. Um, and it's funny because. That whole notion of like Caleb Williams might not want to come out if the Cardinals have the first pick and they have what two wins or at least they beat the Cowboys. So it's like, yeah, like who's, who's the bad team? Like who's the one, like who's the one that Archie Manning won't let his son go to. It might be us. Um, but in any event, uh, big game this weekend against the Denver Broncos. I want to thank everybody who joined us here this evening. I know it's not easy giving the way that the season has been going, but you know what? Let's just have some fun with it. If you're in the Southern California area, feel free to come down to Rip Beer Company in Huntington Beach, California, PCH location. We will be there at 10 a.m. sharp for the kickoff, getting you ready for that game and uh, hopefully other games if you want to come down and you think you're having a good time. Uh, and Carmen, where are you going to be this weekend? Um, I am going to – I'm covering the game in uh, – the Detroit Packers game. Sorry. Just completely found oh. out. Um, I have that tomorrow, but I'm doing that from home. I don't think I'm traveling this weekend, actually, nice. which is kind of nice, uh, oh. given that I've been everywhere and then some. But uh, check me out on uh, Kay Adams tomorrow morning. Awesome. I'm going yes. on with Kay tomorrow. Up and Adams. All right. Well, Adams. Awesome. Yep. Well, awesome. Um, we will – Yeah. Check that out. Well, we'll be excited to see you there as we are. And uh, that's it. That's all we got for the tonight. Uh, Friday night, right? Or Friday afternoon or whatever. Ranks rival will be dropping once again. So uh, tune in for that as we get you ready for the weekend's game against the Denver Broncos. Uh, so until that time for Carmen, I'm Adam. Bear down. And Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. 
Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.